Hello, world. Welcome to episode nine of the Black and White Theology Podcast. I am Noah Filipiak here with Tyler St. Clair, and it is a bittersweet episode nine. We are your bittersweet dark chocolate dunked into something white, like Cool Whip, maybe. Dark chocolate is good. I like dark chocolate. I'm trying to think of something that I'm trying to think of something that's white that is that is delicious to eat. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Many things. Vanilla mm, ice cream. That's the only thing I, that came to mind. Well, Vanilla ice cream. That's enough. And that's about it. Anything. I mean, frosting on cake. Mm, you have. I, I guess I'm a I'm a food racist. Am I a food racist? I think so. I think so. Huh? Well, There's that. That could be our next podcast. as you get older you can eat as dark chocolate and it's if you read the right studies it's like you're eating broccoli and so it's because it's it's healthy and full of antioxidants and all these Mm -hmm. things but it is bittersweet because this is our final episode that's right i'm fighting back the tears i know i can tell we we have some big fans of the show not many fans we don't have many fans, but the ones we have, they are big. They claim to be big fans in their emails. Bless their hearts. So, honestly, I'm sorry that it's 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 on me. Uh, I, I'm the one having to walk away. Mm-hmm. Tyler, I think you could keep the podcast going on no, your own. No, I cannot. You could be the Black Theology Podcast. Wow. That'd go <laughs> the James Cohen Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, too soon. Couldn't you find? <laughs> couldn't you find another white guy to put up with you and do this podcast? Uh, no. You and it I. Would are, it, it wouldn't, wouldn't be, be the same. same. We're just a special. We have that special chemistry. Ebony and Ivory. Ebony and Ivory. That that's an awesome song. I mean that. Oh, uh, I, I hate that song. You like uh, that song? No, I hate it. If you. <laughs> Watch that music video of uh, Stevie Wonder and Paul McCartney. I, you just have to wonder, like, what they were thinking when they did that music video. Well, Stevie's blind, so I'll give him Stevie a Stevie didn't know. Paul, a typical white guy, cons the black guy into doing this humiliating uh, video. video terrible. They're sitting like, on the piano keys. Yeah. <laughs> they're, like, dancing on that video. Giant piano keys. Yeah, man, that video's bad, 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 bad. The song's bad too. Like they're both good, really good musicians. So that'll not be our theme song. Speaking of theme song, thank you again to James Garden for Uh providing the beats for this uh, podcast. Check him out at James Garden Music. He has some really good stuff. And what we're gonna do today? Well, first. Uh, the the reason for this being our last episode, uh, I, I took a new job. This is a big change for me. Uh, I'm on a two-week break right now, but I start a new job next week. This coming Monday, I'll be working full-time for Covenant Eyes. Um, Covenant Eyes, they are an online software for filtering and monitoring software. So if you're struggling with pornography or you want to monitor your kids' stuff online, uh, what they do is they have accountability software, so it mm-hmm. emails your accountability partners what you're looking at. You can also do filters that block sites. And what I'm going to be doing is working uh, primarily with churches. So uh, if 
if you personally are interested in using Covenant Eyes, you can use the promo code CROSSROADS to get a free month of Covenant Eyes. That is an affiliate code of mine. And that helps. that'll allow you to check out Covenant Eyes and see if you like it. Uh, I'm going to be working with churches, though. That's going to be my full-time job. Churches that want to address pornography in their churches mm-hmm. and i will be basically wait christians Chris, wait christians watch porn they do they do I, I am blown away they do see that's the problem pastors don't talk about it there's that yeah 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 so statistically you know you've heard all the statistics about porn <laughs> probably at this point that lots of people look at it lots of christians look at it lots of pastors look at it and you and I mentioned this just briefly, Tyler, when we, I, I called you about the news last week. You mentioned even today how there's porn, but then there's exposure to, I forget how you said it, but pornographic type material. Yeah. That type of exposure is just everywhere today. Our, our, our society is pornographic. Yes, that's what you said. Um, yeah. I was... Like, dog, like the things I watch with my kids, like the cartoons, it's like sexual innuendo with, I'm like sitting with my two-year-old on my lap and there's like underneath sexual innuendo and flirtation and cleavage. I'm like, what? This is a a cartoon. What what is this? It's like, I think we've become so numb to it um, that we, we don't even, we don't even see it anymore. Um... And that, and that leads to men, um, that leads to por- pornography being normalized. Yeah. Like it's just something everyone does. Um, yeah, man, it, it's, it, we live in, we're living in a really, um, uh, a dark time and churches don't, don't often address these things. And when they do, they do it in a way that is, um, either, you know, often, um, that's the two extremes. Like heavy-handed, legalistic, uh, guilt-driven, or it's kind of like, well, you know, you know, it's just it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? It, it's, yeah. Don't address it. Don't, doesn't don't address it as a sin, uh, as a as a heart condition that needs to be um, um, bathed in the gospel. So yeah, I'm I'm excited for you, and I'm ex- I'm the, I don't know much about Covenant Eyes, um, but what I what I've heard and what I've seen. Uh, is really dope. So, hats off. Thanks, man. Yeah, um, I pulled up to my bank this morning, and my bank is next to a Jude's barber shop. I think that's a chain. Jude's is the name of it, and it says where guys get their hair cut. And inside on the walls are just covered with posters of this, like naked women who are have no clothes on they're covered have mercy kind of like their nipples are covered with where their arms are placed sort of thing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like though all the walls of this haircut chain uh and there's there's several of those in lansing and i didn't know that was a thing <laughs> yeah it's and then i uh we, we have this strip club downtown lansing and it's just funny because downtown lansing they're trying to revitalize it and there's a Lansing Lugnut Stadium, which is our minor league baseball team. Mm-hmm. Across the street, there's a Impression Five, which is a kids' science museum, like the kind of thing people with kids 
my kid's age, like seven and under, we go there all the time sort of mm -hmm. deal. And Wholesome. Then, yeah, very. And those are right <laughs> in the same area. And then like on the same side of the street as the baseball stadium is the Lansing Center, which is our like convention, conference center, which mm -hmm. has all, all kinds of events, you know, from the you know, homeschool convention to the motorcycle convention to all, you know, all these sort of things. And then across the street from there is this strip club. And so it's all in the same area. Wow. For a, for a while, the strip club's called Omar's and it used to be kind of innocuous. Like it, it just said Omar's showroom. Mm -hmm. uh, well, well, now they have a electronic sign, like a full color electronic sign. And I was running it's kind of the main drag from where I live to downtown, and I was running on Michigan Avenue last week, and they have a new electronic sign with these same type of naked women on the signs where they're, like, covering up their their nipples with their arms, right. fully, mm -hmm. fully nude, and uh, on this, this electronic sign right in the middle of downtown Lansing. And it, I, I, it just – it's crazy to me yeah. how – normal that is so i'm the type of person that like i'm gonna write an editorial for the lansing state journal about that because that's just what i do uh there's that <laughs> i i sent an email to our city council which is not like big time you know it's not they, they they're just normal people like me and and i'm like hey i don't like this sign like what do i do how do i try to get this down i ha haven't heard a word from them and it just makes me wonder, like you said, the normalization of it. If in the world, I think we've normalized it because everybody's addicted to it. And so mm -hmm. they have to normalize it like they don't have yep. any other choice. And then in the church, when we've just condemned, like, you know, beat down on it legalistically, it doesn't help anybody because right. everybody's already convicted about it and they know it's a sin. What right. actually has to happen is providing a way out right. and really it's a theological framework it it's, is it's a way to be rewired and so yeah so that's that's the shift uh for me and there's there's more uh probably outside of the scope of this podcast if listeners are interested i just did a reflection post yesterday um at a crossroads.net of kind of oh here you go reflecting on <laughs> the shift from planting a church that i've now served at for 13 years uh, in doing this, it's um, it's a long time. I'm gonna be staying at my church as a member and in the preaching rotation, uh, but I will not be a uh, decision-making pastor or elder anymore. Mm -hmm. So that's a big, big. It thing. is. Um, it's crazy. Yeah. So wrote about that and also, um, yeah. But so this door just opened, and I, I feel like it's one of the first times that I've let God lead. Um, and I'm going to keep doing my Beyond the Battle podcast uh, just because it's in line with that job. Uh, it's basically a podcast around sexual purity. Um, and so people can check that out. And that one's just me. So it's not as fun as this one, but I can I can record it. Anytime. That's kind of a that's kind of a heavy thing. So I don't know how fun you want to make sexual purity. It is a heavy thing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. there, there, there's only so much fun you can go with that without just being uh a 12 year old that's true that's well that's what a lot of our culture's done with it actually well yeah. there's yeah, yeah yeah man 
So that's my big news, and uh, it's been good to do this podcast. I do apologize. I, 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 what I did is I just spread myself too thin, and that's part of theology as well as learning how to rest and um, having limits, and that's something I've never been good at. And so this new chapter will help me to focus a little bit. So, yeah. Um, what we're going to do in episode nine today, we want to honor the questions that have been sent in that we have not answered. So uh, we just have a few here. We're going to go back to Matt, who we mentioned in a previous episode. So here is Matt's question. I have a difficult time with the idea of Calvinism and God's love. Mm-hmm. Reading through Romans 9, it seems clear that God saves us. So Romans 9, we, we gave us homework a couple episodes ago. It's a very uh, strong coffee chapter about God being in control of everything. So he quotes mm-hmm. chapter 9, verse 13, quote, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated, unquote. Mm-hmm. Verse 18, therefore God has mercy on whom he wants to have mercy and hardens whom he wants to harden, Mm -hmm. 22 to 23. What if God, although choosing to show his wrath and make his power known, bore with great patience the objects of his wrath prepared for destruction? What if he did this to make the riches of his glory known to the objects of his mercy, whom he prepared in advance for his glory? Uh, One more paragraph here from Matt. All of these verses highlight God loving, having mercy, and making the riches of his glory known, but only to some people. Mm -hmm. I cannot read these without reading the other half that talk about God's hate, hardening of hearts, and being objects of wrath prepared for destruction. Mm -hmm. If God chooses some to be saved, then God also chooses some to go to hell. Uh, When I think about God through Calvinistic lens, I just get a picture of God that randomly picks people aloud into heaven and randomly throws people into hell. Furthermore, Jesus talks about the wide and narrow gates of Matthew 7, 13, and 14, and how most people are on the path leading to destruction. I don't think blanket statements like God loves you can be said to a group of people because it seems like God only loves a couple of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyler used an example of being a passenger in a car that God was driving, and I think that's a fair analogy. God is driving the cars that go to heaven, but he's also driving the cars that go to hell. I hope this doesn't come across too opinionated because I would not consider myself Calvinistic or Arminian. I struggle with both sides, (laughs) but I want to get a more complete understanding of both. I hope this email isn't too long. It was too long, Matt, but it's okay because I read it all because it's our last episode. So why not? What do we got to lose? Like people are going to unsubscribe? Like whatever. doesn't matter. Good question. There's that. Go ahead, Tyler. I don't. (laughs) <laughs> so so here's what's difficult for me because I don't wrestle with Calvinism so it's hard for me to put myself I'll have a good answer to this you can give yeah, me, yeah. Go yeah, ahead give, mean, your, give your bad answer and then I'll give my good no answer. I'm I'm being 100 <laughs> I don't I, I don't I don't I don't wrestle with Calvinism uh, or I mean I mean whatever label because I, I don't I don't I don't quote say that I like I'm to a, call it Kellerism that's what I like to call it I don't, I don't, I don't wear Calvin as a uh, tattoo. Yeah, I don't wear a Calvin uh, Letterman jacket. Yeah. Uh, so because, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't wrestle with it. I think, I think Romans, the scripture that he read in Romans nine are clear. Um, 
I don't believe God is arbitrarily uh, doing anything. I believe that because scriptures that that run from New Testament and um, Old Testament both say that um, God, before the foundations of this earth, elected, chose, predestined. These are all words that are used not just in Romans 9, but used uh, in Gal- uh, Ephesians 1 used in the book of Galatians, used in Colossians. Th- these are um, terms and themes that are th- throughout all Paul's letters, uh, election, predestination. So I, I don't know, man. Um, yeah, I mean, there is a, there is a, there's a level of, I mean, I, I understand that. It sounds like, man, so God chooses who he's going to save and though, and he chooses who will not be saved. Yeah. But I, I, I don't know. <laughs> that's his choice. He's God. That's his. That's his preference. That's his prerogative. I mean, I don't know, man. I, yeah. I, I wish I had more. Well, but. that's good. I mean, I I think it's good to have both of our perspectives because I I've been one that has struggled with Calvinism and and as I've mentioned in previous episodes. And Matt, I don't know if you've listened to our other episodes uh on the tulip but if not you're not going to get any more from us so you might as well just put them on repeat kind of like seinfeld or whatever oh, other, you know <laughs> uh you're just gonna get reruns from here on out so maybe go back and re-listen to the ones on the tulip uh those six that we did but i have wrestled with it and so i i, I get what, where you're coming from i think tyler's point is helpful because it's just simply Look, this is this is biblical, and we at some point we just have to submit to it. It's what God said. It's just it's what God said, right? So whether it it makes sense or not, you know, I mean, it's one thing if you're using it as an apologetic to a non-believer, and like that doesn't make any sense. But for those of us that believe the scriptures, I know, I know Matt, I know he does as well. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, it's just one of those like, hey, I got to just take God for His word and. I just got to trust him in it. And and we've mentioned in those previous episodes the benefit of that. Like, if you can go with that, there's a lot of benefit to riding in the car and letting God drive. And it, it does take away a lot of the anxiety mm-hmm. um, it, that, that we talked about. But, but my answer to your question is twofold. One, it's deeper than just random. So I think when we, when mm-hmm. we make it rational and logical, we're like, that just feels so random. God's just picking random people. So... I think there's just layers to it. There's a layer on this earth where it doesn't feel like God is doing this. Like it doesn't right. feel so it's a called your volitional will. Your volition is what you choose to do. And the way uh my seminary professor Mike Whitmer who is a Calvinist, the way he described it is there's not going to be anybody on judgment day who who looks at God and you know says I can't believe you, you know, you made me reject you. Like no one is yeah. going, no one is going to have a case against God or even feel nobody's even going to feel that way. Nobody's going to feel like, man, God, you did this to me. You made me reject you because I think because God is God, he's able to work this in a way where he is in ultimate control, but we still have a volitional will. Now, I right. The Bible says he's in control of our volitional will. But mm-hmm. it doesn't feel that way. 
And it goes way deeper down the rabbit hole. I mean, we never even got to outside of salvation. So, like, is God in control when I sin? I mean, those are really deep issues. Was God in control when Adam and Eve sinned, uh, when Satan got into the garden? I mean, just like, Mm -hmm. whoa, this is really deep stuff. And some of this stuff, I'm telling you right now, God just brought back uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 12 to me, which is a verse I just love. that's a verse I, I get a lot of sleep out of. Um, it's a verse, the, the, the King James, I actually kind of like how it said it. It said, for now, we look through a glass darkly. Mm-hmm. Uh, the NIV at ESV said, we, we look through a mirror dimly, but it's the same mm-hmm. idea. Right. We, we look through a glass darkly, but, but then we will see face to face. And that, that's like just a great example. It says, now I'm partially known but then I will be fully known. And it's talking about when we see Jesus. It's talking about the new heaven and the new earth. And so some of these things, man, they're way above our pay grade. And our, way job, our job is just to rest in them. But I think it's helpful to know there's layers to it that you're never going to feel it on this earth. When I'm witnessing to someone and they choose to accept Jesus or not, it sure feels like they're choosing it, even though Scripture says God's choosing them. So mm-hmm. I, I I wouldn't I say rest in Calvinism, but don't let those points. Uh, you, you you can get. You can be I don't know you can just end up chasing your tail, and I think it's easier yeah. to just rest. Um, we we, I I I love Isaiah fifty five. I mean his thoughts are not our thoughts, his ways are not our ways. Mm-hmm. As high as the heavens are from the earth, yeah. That's the separation between our limited finite skewed (laughs) view and and knowledge of things to in comparison to all knowing all seeing uh, all powerful god yeah well there like you said man there's things that we just will never wrap our feeble minds around yeah Uh, he he gave us his word i believe his word is clear I i believe i believe there's i believe it's clear and um, I, I, I believe that there's things we just, we won't ever be able to completely understand, um, because we are finite, but God's, God's, I believe his word is clear when he talks about, um, election, predestination, um, the doctrines of grace, how, how sa- salvation happens, how, how we were, uh, chosen by the father, redeemed by the son, sealed by the spirit we're just willing participants in our salvation i I believe that scripture is clear about that i mean i believe you even see that mode of salvation even in the old testament even how god rescued and redeemed his people uh gideon and uh, over and over again in old testament god rescued and redeemed his people and they barely did nothing they were just willing participants god god is the savior so um yeah i mean i rest in that man i don't i don't I, I can't. It's out of it's out of my control who gets saved. It's out of my control who accepts Christ. It's out of my control who walks away from the faith. I can just be. All I can do is be faithful, uh, be faithful to Him and be faithful to the Word. So, and back to the hell idea. This is where Reformed theology has really helped me. The idea of the depravity of man, and really the emphasis on God's holiness. Mm-hmm. And, and we mentioned this in, in one of those previous episodes, but. We all deserve instant hell. That's what we deserve. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that God chooses to save any 
is a ridiculous amount of grace and mercy. Mm -hmm. We chose hell. You know, I don't think when you look at holiness and sinfulness, God didn't choose hell. We chose hell. We we chose hell when we rebelled against him. Yeah. And, and I think we need to be clear about that, because if someone's to blame for us going to hell, it is not God. And, yeah. And uh, and that's the Armenian mindset. And that's kind of, Matt, what you were articulating as you rationalize or not when I say rationalize, I mean, as you use reason and, and rationale and, yeah. and logic, it's we start to blame God for that he's choosing hell for us. And we, we got to be real clear that he's holy. We chose sin. We chose yeah. hell. And then he chose to save some. Despite. And, despite. <laughs> and and that yeah. is a lot like the Old Testament. Like he chose Israel as his chosen people yep. to be a light to the rest of the world. And you're like, man, I got to just, the rest of it, I got to leave in his hands. I mean, yeah. we get in a lot of theological trouble when we start trying to answer all those other questions, we, we quickly become heretics. I mean, that's I feel like that's what Rob Bell tried to do was like, man, we got all these hard questions. We got to give people some soft answers for them. So I'm just mm -hmm. going to start giving answers the Bible doesn't give. And it's like, yo, whoa, so just <laughs> let's just stay with what the Bible gave us. Yeah. And, and the rest of it, we, we got to rest in his hands. So yeah. um, w one other question Matt brought up was the idea of hate. Uh, does God hate people? In fact, mm -hmm. the title of his, his email is, Does God Hate People? And mm -hmm. I looked up um, the Greek word for hate used in verse 13, and I was kind of hoping, like, ah, that'd be a different word than God used in mm -hmm. other parts of the New Testament for hating things, mm -hmm. like hating sin or whatever. No, mm -hmm. it's the same. It's the same word. It's hate. Like mm -hmm. God, God hated Esau. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but, and, and so I get your question there, Matt. I think that's a great question. And as I've thought about that, here's what I say about the saying, can you say God loves you to a group of people? I mean, John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world. So that's the whole world. He, he sent his son uh, to save the world. And he does love the world. If you look at other texts, you could start in Genesis. We're all created in God's image. There's a there's an element of natural. What do they call that? Um, I don't. Common grace. Common grace. Yes, common mm -hmm. grace that everybody has, and God mm -hmm. loves everybody. Psalm one thirty nine. You know, David wrote. Uh, it's probably you know you, it's certainly written as a Christian would write it, but it certainly seems to be true of all people. This idea that. God formed each person in their mother's womb and all these sorts of things. So I think God, when he says he hates Esau, I think he loves Esau and hates Esau. I think he hates Esau's mm -hmm. sin. And in our sinful state, yeah, he hates us. I mean, he hates sin, I guess. Uh, but he also loves us in our uh, in that we're created in his image. Uh, everybody has dignity. We are, we're, you know, you look at it. We're to love our enemies. We're to pray for those who who persecute us. Those sorts of things. Um, and so, God has a right to hate sin because He's holy. And so, I right. I think if you if you take Romans nine thirteen, it's true. He hated Esau, but I think you you pile that, you layer it theologically with with uh, being created in God's image, with John three sixteen, God loving the world, and I think you could say. He hated Esau and he loved Esau at the same time. I don't know if that if that helps at all, but that's that's sort of my take on it. You you could also look at the scripture. Um, what did Jesus say? Um, the person that doesn't love me 
and hate his mother, his father, yeah, yeah. his own life. Um, and I can't imagine the ripples that went through that crowd when Jesus said that. Um, but he used hate to, it was kind of, um, um, I remember reading this in the commentary on that passage, uh, a Hebrew form of poetry or he, Hebrew form of writing to use extremely exaggerated terms to emphasize the difference. So Jesus said, you know, love me and hate your mother, father, brother, sister, and even your own life. So, um, that you love God so much that your hate, I mean, you love God so much that your love for him in comparison to other people looks like hate. Um, so yeah, I mean, I agree with your point. I, I don't, it's clear that, um, Jacob was the, the object of God's affection, the object of God's grace and Esau was not. Um, and Esau walked away from God. Esau departed God. Um, again, I mean, back to your point earlier that the person who is, uh, in a, a state of rebellion or, or the person who is in a state of sin, it is due to their own choice. Isaiah 53, like, like sheep, we've all gone astray. Um, Romans, uh, Romans three, none seek God. There's none righteous. No, not one. I mean, that, that's, 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 that's the human experience. That's the human heart. But the difference is God pursues some. God has elected some and some he allows to just wander until he meets them at judgment. Um, and that's his choice. That That's his choice. He he decides who he's going to show mercy to. He decides who he's going to judge for their sins. Yeah, it's 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 heavy. Yeah. But again, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> I, I dare not present him another option. Mm hmm. Yeah. No, that's that's good. Um, and. uh. All right, we'll move on. That was good. Good work. Thanks, well, for, you know. thanks for the question, Matt. Hopefully we've converted you to Calvinism. So, you need to get saved first. You can't be a Calvinist because you're not even a Christian. But anyway. You talking about me? Yes, you. You you always say I'm not saved. I I think <laughs> I think that you sound like a Pharisee. A little bit. Yeah. That big beard. Oh, don't be jealous. Beard. Don't be jealous because you can't grow any facial hair. Big black Pharisee. <laughs> that sounds like a good podcast. <laughs> <laughs> or a Twitter name. I'm going to change my name to Big Black Pharisee. <laughs> the, uh, the BBP. <laughs> Hilarious. Oh, all right. So this is from Jim. Jim mm -hmm. is a big fan of the show. I can't read all his whole email because it's quite long. But, man, I think Jim's going to cry when he finds out this show oh, is canceled. Jim, we love you, man. All eight people are going to be devastated. <laughs> I will say our, our, our listenership took a bit of a dive from the beginning numbers. <laughs> well, there's that. Because of you. They realized they found out you were a racist. This is true. This is true. So this question is a good one. It, it ties in about race as well as, uh, ironically, coincidentally, pornography, which we were talking about earlier in the oh. show. So can't wait uh, to hear this question. He says, I also had a question I wanted to ask to Tyler specifically. 
I've, he said, I've only known a handful of biblical black Christians my whole life. Jim previously said he's white. Um, There's, gotcha. So Jim's a white guy. Mm-hmm. I've only known a handful of biblical black Christians my whole life and have only been close friends with two of them. So I haven't had the opportunity to ask someone who is in touch with the biblical black community. Uh, here's his question. Mm-hmm. Are the re- are the reasons black Christians struggle with sexual sins different than the reasons white Christians struggle with them, or do you think they're the same? Noah has not. I'm not dropping my own book here. This is from <sighs> the mailbag. Okay, I did of not. Of course it this. is. Thank you, Jim. You justify every time I've ever promoted my book on this podcast. Noah has a chapter in his book Beyond the Battle, talking about entitlement and how people view God as if he owes them things. I also remember knowing I also remember hearing Noah speak at an event at Michigan State University in which he mentioned that being white could skew one's view of God by thinking God owes them things, aka entitlement. I guess I was just curious if this is an issue among black brothers and sisters as well, speaking of entitlement in regards to sexual struggles. If you don't think uh, okay, well, all right. So what do you think? Basically, he's asking, uh, are, are black Christians struggling with sexual sins? Are the reasons differently than the reasons white Christians struggle with them? And he's specifically asking, too, do black people struggle with entitlement the same way that white people do? And the point I that he's referring to that I make is white people go to God and say, <clears throat> give me what I deserve because we're used to getting what we deserve, so to speak. Well, mm-hmm. I should say it. we're used to getting what we think we deserve. We, we're, we're used to always being in power and getting what we want. So I'm going to look to porn because my wife isn't giving me what I think I deserve. Or if I'm, right. if I'm single, I'm going to have premarital sex because I feel like I deserve it. And so that becomes the foundation of my sexual sin is God give me what I deserve. So... Do, mm-hmm. do black people struggle with that as well? Um, I would say I'm going to paint with a super broad brush. Um, and I'm not Kanye West, so I'm not going to speak on behalf of all uh, people of color. You know, I should connect with Kanye about uh, a, doing this podcast, me and him, kicking you out and doing a, a new ch- chapter two Man, version. Good grief. Good grief. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I would say... Uh, so I, I think in essence, there is the human heart is the human heart. The human heart is fallen. The human heart is broken. Uh, we all have a sin nature. I think the Bible is clear. Our thoughts are skewed. Our hearts are uh, bent to sin. Um, we are all bent to lust and the desires of our flesh. And that can be a sexual desire, desire for approval, desire for uh, prestige, desire for wealth, uh, you know, all kind of stuff that that's how we all are wired, um, because we're falling. I think it looks in many ways, it looks different between black and white people just because of the culture and the context. Um, there are certain things that, um, I, I, okay. I, I, cause I just looked up in my closet and I saw a pair of Jordans. Um, <laughs> that my friend Kyle Lake gave me. Um, um, there are things that say, for instance, I, I, grew, I remember like my mother would not buy me expensive shoes one. Cause we were poor, but two, she would always say, well, I wouldn't want to give you those because someone would shoot you and kill you. Um, there are certain things that are unique to certain experiences. Like I remember back in the day, like 
dudes were getting shot and killed yeah. over Fila's, Fila Grant Hills and yeah. Jordans and whatnot, Shaq shoes. Um, and it was pr- pr- predominantly, primarily in a black community. I think part of that in the psyche of uh, the black community is we don't have, we don't, we don't have money. So I want something that gives me self-worth. Well, in the white community, you know, people with money and affluence, they walk around with Payless shoes. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> so they're, I mean, the, the, the dudes who got the most money, the wackest dressing, least spent, uh, spend the least on their, um, on their clothing. So I think just culturally, there are certain things that are different and it looks differently. Um, but I don't think blacks or whites are more, uh, have a higher or lower propensity for sexual sin based on color. I think it just looks differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, based on experience, based on culture, based on uh, origin, based on home that you grew up in. Um, I think there is um, there is certain entitlements that come, that blacks have. Uh, again, but it just looks differently. It looks different from... Um, it looks different than a white brother or sister. I think one... Um, because we have, we've always been a disenfranchised people. We've always been a people who have, um, never had a voice. We feel that that's something that, um, we fight, we strive, we toil for, and it hasn't come yet. Um, so to counteract, um, um, not receiving justice, we'll do things like loot. Mm-hmm. We'll do things like break the law. Mm-hmm. We'll do things like, you know, not respect uh, police. We'll do things, you know, uh, other things that are not acceptable. And that's a form of entitlement because we haven't received what we thought we mm-hmm. earned. Or or we haven't received what we have, mm-hmm. uh, what we do deserve, just basic human rights. Right. So uh, that's my out-of-my-head Kanye West rambling on on the questions but yeah, it just it just it looks differently. It looks differently based on um, based on culture, origin, and uh, you know context. But we all all humans have some of the same things, man. Same and the same. It's out of the same heart of of sin, right. pride, lust. Like First uh, uh, John chapter two verse not uh, verse sixteen, I believe. Uh, What's in the world? John says, the lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. All of us have those things. It just looks different from a white guy in uh, Farmington Hills or a white guy in Nebraska. It looks different from him than me uh, in my house, you know, in Detroit. So, Right. Yeah, I think that's a good answer. It brings up a good point. And the, the point that I make in that chapter is just a theological point really not that different from our depravity of man episode where Mm -hmm. when you stand before God's holiness, it, it radically changes your posture before. Mm -hmm. And so you, you look at even globally, I think about this and I think you look at white privilege in the U S and we're used to, getting what we want for the most part and so yeah that that gives us a sense of or taking it by force taking it by force (laughs) yeah and and so then you you go before god and and basically you think you can do that with god i mean that's that's the that's so that's kind of the the point that jim is 
is bringing mm-hmm. up is the point that I brought up where I'm used to being able to go take something by force. I'm used to getting what I want so I can go before God and say, hey, you're my butler. Like you're supposed to, you're my genie and, and you're not giving me what I want. I, I have mm-hmm. to stand before God's holiness as a depraved sinner. And he, that's where the transformation comes for sexual purity. It's, it's, yeah. it's realizing how dare you ask God to give you what you deserve if you think you deserve a better spouse or if you think you deserve to be married if you're single, if you think you deserve this, this, and this. And so therefore you're, you're seeking it out uh, through sinful means. And in your mind, that's kind of how you're rationalizing it, or at least that's what's fueling it. You really mm-hmm. can, you can kill that. You can kill that drive by yeah. realizing I don't deserve anything. Like I deserve yep. hell. And every person on the planet can relate to that. Someone who lives in the lowest slum you know, where, wherever that may be around the world, which would be, I think, a far worse position than in, in, in certain ways. You know, every every context is different and there's but but in certain ways, materialistically, than than even a, a black person in America growing up. In Absolutely. Inner, in inner city. Absolutely. Um, they're they're just as depraved as I am. And when mm-hmm. we both go before God's holiness it really puts our sin in perspective, and it's it's just an interesting conversation because you have to say these are theological truths. Like I would never say somebody deserves to live in a slum. Somebody deserves to go through what they go through. Right. But on a theological level, I can say we all deserve hell. Like they do deserve hell. I deserve hell. And, and so there's these two things going on in the Bible. We have the shalom of, of Genesis, and we have the, we're, we're praying that the kingdom comes to earth. So we're, we're working for justice. We're, we're helping the poor. We're trying to bring all of the attributes of the kingdom of God as it is in heaven here to this earth. But at the same time, whatever state we're in, we know we deserve hell. And yep. I, I, whatever hell, whatever you're going through on earth, it, it's not it doesn't compare to hell it's you're whatever you have on earth is way better mm. than real hell and there is a, there is a shift that can happen in your heart where you can live your whole life going before god's miserable saying god you're screwing me over god you're giving me a raw deal god you're not giving me what i want and there's a lot of health and wealth theology that's mm-hmm. really appealing that's like yeah that's right god should give you what you deserve god should give you what you want. And and it's a very miserable existence to look at God that way because it's never enough. God's always holding out on you. And right. you always have this idea of if you loved me, you would give me a spouse. If right. you loved me, you would give me a better spouse. And you can choose that life. You can choose a miserable life where it's never enough and you're always wanting, you're always desiring more and you're always thirsty for more. As a Christian, you can choose that. Or you can choose a life where you're broken before God and you say, God, I, Exodus 19 is where I go. It's the holy mountain. The Ten Commandments are being given. The mountain is shaking. There's thunder and lightning. It's, God says, if you touch the mountain, you'll die. Mm-hmm. Stand before that God and ask him to give you what you deserve. I mean, you just can't do it. You, you, you don't, can, yeah. You can only stand before that God and say, all I deserve is hell. 
And then the second step is the gospel, which is I've been given the mercy of Jesus. For, for how separate I am from God, that's how much mercy I've been given. Yeah. And that can change your heart to being yeah. a grateful person. You can live in a slum and have a disease you're going to die from and have a rich sense of gratitude that has nothing to do with your circumstances. Yeah. Uh, but it's a, it's a gratitude and a peace that's like that says, wow, I've gotten the mercy of God in my life. And... <sighs> I'm his child, and that it, and, and, and where and where is revival happening most around the world? True, absolutely <laughs> right. And it's not, yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, it's, it's happening. Revival is happening in places where, if I speak, if I literally say the name of Jesus openly, my family and myself will die. Yeah, but that's where churches are being planted. That's where disciples are being made. That's where God is showing. We, we're sitting here in America arguing, you know, John MacArthur every other five minutes talks about <laughs> um, strange fire and the work of the Holy Spirit. And like literally in other parts of the world, the spirit is moving and people are being healed yeah. to show that there is a the God that you're talking about. There is a powerful God. Yeah. There is a God that moves. There is a God that is alive and well. And we're sitting here reading books, listening to podcasts, arguing, debating each other about things that are inconsequential and people are dying and going to hell. Well, and I think in those parts of the world, and I could be wrong on this, but it seems like the material stuff so, so nobody has the stuff. Like if you live in a, in a slum. <laughs> nobody got it. It's, yeah, it's yeah. not like if I become a Christian, I will get that stuff. Right. You're becoming a Christian because maybe you're at a point where there, there's a phrase I heard growing up. Sometimes you don't know God is all you need until God is all you have. Where mm. you've been so stripped away of everything else that you're like, man, I need God. Like I need – I. Uh, not because my circumstance is going to change, but because I don't have an idol to clutch. Like I don't have a front to put on. Mm -hmm. Like I can mm -hmm. save myself through my money. I can save myself. I mean, the Bible's clear. I don't have the references off the top of my head. I think it's in first Timothy might be second Timothy when it talks about money and it says money. It's, it's not saying it's that money itself is evil, but it's saying it will lead many astray because mm -hmm. when you, it's a great savior. Money is like an amazing uh, fake faux savior. It sure yeah. feels like a savior. When, when you don't have any money, you don't have medical care, you don't have any of these things, it's like, man, who am I fooling? I need a savior. Like you've been stripped away and humbled. And so it's it's just, I feel like it's a lot like the first century where you had this revival mm -hmm. in the first century among the marginalized. It wasn't among the powerful for the most part. And yeah. so I think that's why you see that in around the world because they don't have the idols of wealth yep. that we have where it's like why do I need and, God? I got everything and I comfort. Need. And not not just wealth but yep. comfort. Comfort? Absolutely. Absolutely. I I this is <laughs> I'm just going to spare that tangent. But um I look at how many Christians live and I see no different than the people that don't have an eternal hope, yeah, and that that don't have a a um, 
that have not been changed by the gospel. There's no cha- there's no there's no tangible change in their life. But that's not that's not the case when you when you look at the first century church or when you read the book of Acts. Right. Like your life changed, how you lived changed, who you did your life with changed, how you viewed money cha- you were open-handed. You know, over over again in the beginning of Acts it says that people were just, "Oh, you have a need? Let me I'll sell my farm and I'll help you with your family." Right. Yeah, it was it was it was just it was just like Jesus, and I hate to, I don't want to go David Platt, but <laughs> Jesus radically changed the way people lived. And I, I, I don't, I don't, I, I see people so comfortable with um, job, 401k. And, and you know what? And, and to be honest, I'm, I'm not, I'm not just going to bang on suburban people. I see that same comfort. It, it, again, it just looks different. A lot of that same comfort amongst people that don't have as much in our country. Right. Uh, it, it, again, it just looks different, you know. And maybe I'm a may, maybe self medicate by smoking weed. I'm a you know buy these material things to give me that little uh sense of value. It, it's the same thing, but um, yeah, it, it's just that comfort, man. That that I see it. I I, I don't I don't see. I don't see it, man. It, it's it's frustrating as as a pastor. Honestly, it's, yeah. it's one of my most frustrating things. Like. Do you do you know how you are supposed to live? That your life is is different now. It's not just about you. Um, but you know, anyway, I'll save that tirade. Well, you didn't, <laughs> you didn't save it. You you just gave it. You you know, it's all good. I'll I'll shorten my tirade. There you go. That's a good tirade. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that this is like deep level stuff, but. We live a long time now, you know, medical advances. Everybody expects to live to be, what, 100 or something. And I think what we really do is we live like we're going to live forever on this earth. Like we, we live. Yeah. I don't mean that in a good way, like the theological way. I mean, right. I know what we, you mean. we live as if this earth is all there is. That's what our mm-hmm. world has done. And you look at any culture before ours, even 100 years ago or, or, or 200 years ago and, and beyond, I think death was much more a reality every day. Yeah. People were dying of everything. We didn't have all these all me- the time. medical advances. All the, yeah. the, the, the birth rate even, or whatever you call it, the, the mortality rate amongst kids and infants. I mean, there, were, there was death was a constant companion, like it is in other parts of the world still, in third world countries, where it is no guarantee you're going to live to see your 10th birthday or – uh, live past the age of 30 or 40 or, or yeah, you know, whatever, gross, whatever it might be. And if you look at the first century, uh, for one of my sermons, I don't have the stat off the top of my head, but I did a little, I did a little knock on, uh, this idea kind of on health and wealth theology, this idea that God owes me that I'll never, basically that I'll never die. Like this God, God owes me that I'll never get sick. He owes me that, I'll, you know, nothing bad will ever happen to me. And in the first century, when Jesus was healing all those people and walking around, I'm uh, this is a, a, a unofficial stat. I'm I'm trying to remember a sermon I did a couple years ago, but the the average lifespan because you're including kids, right, who die before the, like tons of kids die before the age of ten back then. The average Ooh, lifespan, during birth during birth, yeah, yeah. But, uh, the average lifespan was like 25 years old, something like mm. that, and 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 it was. Uh, 
very uncommon. There's a lot of interesting stats. You can look this stuff up. It's on, it's on like Wikipedia, just first century, ancient Near East, uh, Roman. I think it was Roman Empire mortality rates. Uh, but very few people live past the age of 40, 45. And uh, they did, you know, some did, but it was it was quite rare. And the point of this is you wouldn't have had this entitlement and expectation that I'm never going to get sick. Everything's going to go great. I'm going to live in comfort my whole life. And you look at what it's done to our culture. We're the most atheistic culture that's ever existed. Even mm-hmm. religious people are very functionally atheistic because <laughs> we think we're going to we think this world is all there is. And so if you think this world is all there is, Matthew 6, 19 to 21, where your heart is, there your treasure will be. I'm going to put all my treasure here versus an eternal uh, destination. Then it makes much more sense to put my treasure into the church or my treasure into helping people that don't know the Lord and, and you mm-hmm. know evangelism and, and expanding the kingdom of God. Um, our, our, everything changes at that point. So... Uh, all this, I guess, to come back to this idea of maybe why there's revival in other parts of the world, which also comes back to Jim's original question. We we went quite a far loop from the idea <laughs> of sexual purity and entitlement mm-hmm. and these sorts of things. But the point with with that, with sexual purity, whether you're you come from a black or a white, or a, a rich or a poor, whatever perspective, is. When we stand before God, it is a very healthy and very freeing place to be to realize I don't deserve anything. Mm-hmm. And nine times out of ten, what is fueling your sexual sin is a feeling of entitlement. It's a feeling that mm-hmm. I'm single and lonely, so I and God didn't provide for me. God didn't hook me up. So I'm entitled to the sexual sin that I'm into. All right. My husband or wife is not a good husband or wife, and so therefore I'm entitled to the sexual sin that I'm looking to. I, 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 I or, can... or I have sex, but it's not enough. My spouse doesn't give me enough. Yeah, it's never enough. I mean, yeah. if when you're living in that entitled mindset, it's never enough because you're yep. not you're not satisfied with what Jesus did on the cross for yep. you. And what I love, frankly, about what I do is I'm not trying to fix your marriage. I'm not trying to, like, get your I, – I really critique those strategies because you can read the Five Love Languages book, which everybody's read, and that book just fills you with more entitlement. It just says, oh, if I, if I clean the garage, then my wife will have sex with me more. It's like <laughs> you, you're not learning how to love your wife. You're learning how to be more selfish – how to manipulate how to manipulate the situation (laughs) Ooh, if i do this you're just like a little kid if i do this then my parents will give me candy it's like you have no heart of love to do do and and so then it's never enough because when you buy your your six-year-old a toy in the middle of toys r us uh rest in peace toys r us but when R.I.P. When, when you're in the middle of the toy store with your six-year-old and they are throwing a tantrum because they want the newest toy. As a parent, you have a choice to make. You can buy them the toy because it will get them to shut up. And sometimes that's what you need for the day, right? Or you can be a better parent and you can say, no, that's not really what you need. Uh, let's move on and I'm not getting you the toy. If you buy them the toy, are they satisfied? Temporarily. 
temporarily. Yep. What happens next time you go into Toys R Us or same into the toy aisle? The same exact thing. <laughs> it's like same thing. Yeah. I need this toy. I need this toy. I need this toy. And it's like you could do that every single time, and it will never satisfy. And that's how we are with our sexual sin. It will never satisfy, whether that's overt pornography, whether it's premarital sex, whether it's an affair, or there was what you mentioned, which is in my marriage, my spouse just isn't enough. My spouse just isn't good enough. Oh, look, I'm not making excuses for your spouse. They're accountable for their own sin before God, but your spouse is not Jesus. Mm-hmm. Let me say right. that again. Your spouse is not Jesus. The only mm-hmm. one that can satisfy you is Jesus. Your lack of spouse is not Jesus. The future mm-hmm. spouse out there that you think you need and wish you had is not Jesus. And that's why, uh, honestly, why this stuff I've been doing is fruitful with beyond the battle because it has very little to do with the exterior and it has a lot to do with Jesus is the one that satisfies you. When you get to that point, you, you become not hungry uh, for the other stuff. So that's, right. that's my, uh, whatever you called it. Soliloquy. My tantrum. That was mine. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it's, 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 it's unfortunate that, we look to so many things uh, that will never, never satisfy. It's yeah. like the woman at the well. Yeah. It's just, oh, like, yeah. It's just like, it's just like the woman at the well. Um, I preached that. That was one of my go-to messages that, that she had a, a hole in her heart that she tried to fill with man after man after man. And her soul was thirsty. And the only thing that could quench the, the thirst of her soul was the living water of Jesus. So yeah. I'll give you water that you thirst no more. Um, and as long as we, like Jeremiah talked about, uh, the prophet Jeremiah, how we, as long as we keep putting water in broken cisterns and that water keeps leaking out and leaking out and leaking out, we're going to turn to pornography. We're going to yeah. turn to extramarital affairs. We're going to be bitter towards God. We're going to be bitter and angry toward those, towards people around us. Um, but yeah, it, it, cause you're, you're trying, you're feeding, you're throwing, throwing it down a bottomless pit. <laughs> yeah. it's, you, you never can feed you never can quench that um that 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 hunger only only the bread of life the living water can do that but yeah it, it, all people have an entitlement black white it just looks different it just looks different you know jesus did not give the woman at the well a husband she definitely he definitely did not think yeah. about that i mean mm-hmm. that's that's like the church is like do all these things if you're a woman, you know, God will give you a husband. If you're a guy, God will give you a wife. Mm-hmm. Do all these things. Woman at the well didn't get a husband from Jesus. She got <laughs> she got Jesus. That's what yep. she got. She got Jesus from Jesus. And it, it changed her life. She became this amazing – she became the first recorded evangelist. She led her whole town yep. to Christ. I mean, she is a, a leader in the church. And, mm-hmm. I mean, it's like – she didn't have a husband that that we see recorded. I mean, it's just, yeah, that's 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 it right there. Boom. That's what that's what we're looking for is uh, is Jesus. So life change, man. Tyler, all good things must come to an end. I know, right? Except I was gonna say, Jesus. Except Jesus. Let's just keep recording. We just went off to stop. Let's keep going. Excuse we'll just keep forever. Going. Yeah, I mean, yeah, forever. until Jesus comes back. No. We'd never be able to actually post it because <laughs> we'd always be recording. <laughs> and my kids have been quiet for uh, my kids have been quiet for an hour. Yeah, that's pretty good. 
That is. I don't. I don't. I don't know how much longer I have. Ooh. I have. I have my five children in my house plus an extra. So my my one year old woke up at five a.m. this morning. With me, I I took the bullet today. Oh, uh, there you go, being a martyr. But go ahead. We had a morning of full of diarrhea that flew out Ugh. of the, the diaper. That was good. What What is wrong with this kid? What, what did you uh, do to this baby? This is the second time in a month this has happened. Yeah. So for three days in a row, she's vomiting. Not Ugh. baby spit up. This is a one and a half year old. I'm talking real vomit all over your... me. I'm holding her, and it is like pouring down my shirt, down uh, my it... pants. Under my feet, it is the worst feeling oh. ever. It's awful. It's what a- did y'all do to that baby? What, what did we are cursed? Well, clearly, I mean, cause, man, poor thing. You know, a little Brooklyn. If I was that like health and wealth theology person, think about how different you would think about life. Like, bro, yeah. And I'm I don't. Not- yeah, I don't know, man. Like, like, like I've I've met, I've met them that literally said, well. G- that like if you're sick you're like in sin. Yeah. Like, no. No. Yeah. No. You. <laughs> no. You. You was around some nasty joker. Some nasty joker gave you the flu. Some white guy didn't wash his hands after he uh, went pee in the bathroom uh, and I'm shook not, your hand, uh, and you not, got what he had. I'm not touching that. <laughs> <laughs> this is a reference to uh, unrecorded conversation prior uh, to the uh, podcast episode today. I'm not touching that. I'm going to behave. You don't want to touch it. It hasn't... <laughs> yeah. no, uh, Ceremonial, hands ceremonially have not been unclean. Washed. Unclean. That's all... God has always been about hand washing. I mean, let's go. Public yeah. service announcement. Wash your hands yeah. after you go to the bathroom. Yeah. I'm just going to leave it at that. I've seen some nasty things. Did I've you... seen some nasty things. I'm That's gonna leave it at that. Common grace. If you're white, you're black, Hispanic. If you're a Christian, you're an atheist. Black people, we wash our hands. Wash your hands. I'm gonna speak on. I'm gonna With speak soap. on the entire black. The, I'm gonna you, speak on. <laughs> you rinse them off. That doesn't do anything. It's like listen. Why take the time to rinse them off? You you could have just put some soap on him. It's taking you two extra seconds. You think somehow you're saving time and you're fooling everyone else in the bathroom? You're disgusting. <laughs> Listen, I I'm gonna speak on the entire black cons- constituency. Please do. We wash our hands. I'm just gonna leave it at that. I, <clears throat> white people don't. We have a lot of work to do as white people. We're disgusting. It's entitlement. <laughs> I don't need to wash my hands. <laughs> Think about that. And then you touch the ATM. You touch the gas pump. Everyone's poop and pee. And All right, we're done. It's this disgusting. Went, this went left. This is unfortunate. Nobody's left listening. It doesn't matter at this point. No, our faithful, our faithful listeners are like the people, the people who love God. They've listened to this ten times already. They're like, this is the best podcast in the world ever, ever, forever, (laughs) forever. So, closing remarks, Tyler. Yeah. uh, Your blog is TylerPSpeaks.com. Yeah, I believe. I, I haven't written anything on there in a long time. So, if you want more, Tyler. Check out go there. Tyler P. Speaks. Tyler's been becoming a big man on campus with Acts 29, man. I'm telling you. Oh. you. You've got a few blogs up now on the Gospel Coalition. Well, you know. It pays to be a I, token black guy in an all-white denomination, wow, man. you're racist. Woo! It doesn't Woo! pay to be a hater. It doesn't ah! pay to be a hater, though. <laughs> I am, it's complete jealousy. I just admit it. 
And you for, you forgot to mention that my uh, sermon was the word of the week for the Gospel Coalition. But go Yo, ahead, I'll let you finish. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, <laughs> if only if you're gonna see, put it out there, put it all out. There. Reverse racism. That's what wow. that is right there. Wow. You wow. think if I went to the uh, uh, all black denomination, the AME, and I said, "Hey, here, I, I'm a random white guy. Put my sermon all over your website." You think they? <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, your sermons aren't any good. <laughs> Oh, I love it when people when people uh, their brains work that way. That was a joke. That is not how my brain works. Honestly, sure. I'll say this in all seriousness. I am so thankful for the black pastors that are in what have historically been white reform movements. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I think of Eric Mason. I think of Doug Logan. Uh, yourself, uh, others, where. It's, it's not easy to be in those spaces for you guys, but I think of white, I'm sorry, I think of young black Christians particularly where, we talked about this I think in our first episode, but you, you've got to have good theology out there and it can't be just labeled white theology. Right. It has to just be biblical theology. Or black theology. Or black theology, right. Yeah. It, it's just biblical theology and we need to get the the white bias out of it and the cultural residue that's piled up and get the black bias and the cultural residue that's piled up and so Mm -hmm. i think there's great black preachers within black denominations out there but i really am encouraged by the black theologians and preachers that are becoming leaders within predominantly white uh mostly in, in my mind i'm thinking of reform movements like the gospel coalition or acts 29 and others but it's it's needed because it gives an avenue for young black Christians to say I can believe that right. and still be black, and right. I think that's super important. So I love it, man. It's awesome. They need oh, you're so sweet. Way more of your ugly face. Uh, wow, wow, all, all over that. You know, well, I can't do anything about that. You are not even fun to make fun of because you you don't. You just admit to it, and then it takes all the fun out of it. Your face is beautiful. I've I've been insulted by white people my whole life. Your face is beautiful. Oh, you're just saying that. I am. So, uh, TylerPSpeaks.com, what what are your... uh, Closing closing thoughts uh, for the podcast. The grand finale. This has been fun. Uh, I love Noah like a brother. I do. And um, I hope... He uh, transitions well uh, to Covenant Eyes and praying for Crossroads Church and my friends in Lansing. And uh, that's it. I don't have anything else to say. Thanks, man. It's been real. Praying for you and the fam. Thanks. I hope your kid stops puking and vomiting. Me too. Well, I sent her to daycare today. I couldn't oh, handle it anymore. So, so she's going to, so she's going to, yeah. <laughs> so she's going to infestate that whole daycare. You, that's right. Parents like you. I'm Paris. telling you, I couldn't do it another day, man. I trust me. There's some moments I'm not proud of. <laughs> man, this poor thing. Pray for me. I don't waste prayers on white people. Uh, that was just a joke. <laughs> <laughs> that was just a joke. We need to tweet some of these lines out from this episode. Yeah, that that went left real quick, didn't it? So. I love you too, Tyler. And here's what I learned. Black people love to say I love you to me. We do. We're loving. And well, not that, just to you. That is you're a good not that thing. 
It's not to me, but in general, in general, you like to say I love you. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. I love you too. And I've I've learned the more black people I hang out with, the more I got I'm used to saying I love you. And I do. Thank you for your support. We're we're, we're loving kind people. Yes you are. Yes you are. Uh thanks for the support and uh yeah, it's it is weird. I feel like I'm letting a lot of people down. Um but I Well, just, you are. So, thank you. Some of that's <laughs> just in my head, you know, if um you, there's cognitive distortion if you're familiar with that language if you go to counseling like i do where you know most everyone's been real encouraging and there's just a real thing about burnout where you you spread yourself too thin and i i do the blog that i mentioned i i say that because i just get a lot more transparent with it but just for years i was just trying to do way too much and trying to save the world and mm-hmm. i couldn't i couldn't stop i couldn't stop it was really through through things just starting to fall apart and failure and even my hmm. own, I just became too raw as a person. Uh, Cause you just are trying to do 10 things at once. You just can't, you can't be present in all of those, yeah. space, those spaces at one time. And so this is just an opportunity for me to, to get some rest and some focus. It's going to be a ton of work and I, I'm a little intimidated by that, but at the same time, it's going to be really focused. It'll let me focus on some of my beyond the battle stuff. Um, mm-hmm. That's really been an open door. This this is a plug, and I do apologize, but you are um, a terrible human. I am, but the um, one of the reasons I took this job is because I I've been doing these online small groups, and they're with guys who want. Some guys are struggling with porn. Other guys are just um, they're just struggling in their marriage, or they're single and they're struggling with their singleness. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of guys, it's just. I looked at porn growing up, and in my 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 mind, I still lust. I still look when when I yeah. see women, I look in the wrong places. It's things like that, and so I do these seven week small groups online via video chat, and I'm telling you, they have been some of the most fruitful things I've ever done. And so, uh, it's beyondthebattle.net is the website for those, and I would invite people to check that out. But I'm kind of out of spaces to find people for those groups, and so this job it it opens up kind of a whole new world. It's uh, I, I'm I'll be connected with churches who want to eliminate and address pornography from their church. Mm-hmm. So it'll allow me some chances to speak. It'll allow me to um, make some plans with pastors about getting covenant eyes into churches. It'll it'll allow me to invite more guys into my small groups, and so. It's going to be good. It's going to be a real a real win-win and my wife said to me she feel like I she feels like I'm back to being the person I was when she married me and that's a That good, was a long time ago. That was, man, 14 years. And so that was literally before I could grow a beard. So now still can't grow a beard, I, but I would love to grow a beard, but my my wife, we never got into egalitarianism, complementarianism on this podcast. Oh, thank goodness we never had to get into that. But um, I do keep a clean face for my wife because otherwise she won't kiss me. So, uh, but yeah, she said that I'm back to being the person she married, and and that's a good thing. Um, that's a good thing. And so, thanks. I appreciate your prayer, and just for uh, I don't know. I guess if anyone's struggling with burnout. Um, 
<laughs> don't talk to me. Talk to, talk to me about it because it's yeah, it's a real thing. I think it a is, of, man. A lot of church planters get sucked into that mm-hmm. that that cyclone of yeah, man. The weight of the world on your shoulders, and that's kind of mostly what I'm talking about in the post that I did. It's just kind of how God finally is breaking me out of that, and I'm still not done. There's more things I have to quit um, and say no to and leave, and uh, it's really hard, yeah. uh, but but needed. So. Um, yeah, I'm 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 in the process of writing something, uh, that for the Gospel Coalition on church planners and uh yeah. soul care, how we don't you know, and it's something that I wrestle with. Um, so I'm in the process. I I have a a ridiculous month ahead. I have like three, uh, big things that I'm a part of as well as church and blah yeah. blah blah. Woo, woo, woo. But uh, in November we're taking a two week vacation to Florida, so um, yeah, looking looking forward to that. But yeah, it, it's something that it's. Yeah, it's it's something that's it's real. It's not talked about. What's what's emphasized is you know, butts, buildings, and budgets, and not you know how 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 is your soul? Yeah, and you I know. would I would add a fourth to that. It's I don't know if it starts with the letter B somehow, but now it's like, and this is really really subtle. But you talk, it's like platform and yeah. becoming more popular as a yeah. personality. And, yeah. and, and that was the whole author world for me of trying to get published and speaking at conferences. And it's good things like in some of the things you're getting to be involved in. They're good things. Even the podcast, you know, it's like these, these are things that are good things, but you can only be in one place at a time. And yeah, man. I, I just I could only the only way I was able to learn that is through pain. And <laughs> uh it just got yeah. too, too painful, and it was like I had to throw up the red or the white flag and and uh, tap out. So yeah, um, I, I've I've been learning trying to say no. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, not to even go down the whole another road because that'll be a whole another hour and a half. But it's just part of part of my like th- I would say thirty percent of my job is still fundraising, uh, support raising. So that means travel. So that yeah. means obligations. So it's just trying to balance all that stuff out. Uh, it's difficult, man. But uh, yeah, I'm, I think I finally got a good rhythm. Uh, I'm learning to say no more. There's, there's like, you know, I have my obligations at Cornerstone. I have uh, X29 stuff that I do. Um, right time to time. That's it, work wise. I'm not trying to add anything else to it. Yeah. Because uh, I don't, I don't have the capacity for it. So. My last plug will be for a place called the Transforming Center. If you. Uh, hearing any of this, if you're a ministry leader, I did a two-year cohort with the Transforming Center from 2015 to 2017 as nine retreats, and I can tell you it is, it saved my life. It saved my soul, not in a salvation sense, but in a burnout sense. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want a little taste of that, I recommend any book by Ruth Haley Barton. She leads the Transforming Center. And the book Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership was the first book I read that just of hers. And man, I thought there's finally hope. And that was back in 2015. And there's no way I could have made the changes I've made without that experience. So uh, it's a bit expensive, but it's 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 no more expensive than like going to seminary is and things like that. So it was well worth it. So maybe you or someone else is ready for that. Well, I can't afford it, so I I'm uh, doomed. 
<laughs> Our three podcast listeners will raise money so you can, oh, so you can awesome. go. You, I'll put that on them to do that. So <laughs> that's it, man. All right. Well, All right, player. It's been good. I'll get in touch. I, 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 want, I definitely want to have you come down and do some stuff and great. talk to the men at, at our church. So we'll set something up. That'd be great. And honestly, the real reason we're ending the podcast is I just I ran out of white and black food that I could use for our tagline. Oh, there's that. I'm completely out. I've used them all. So it's like we are your, uh, I don't know, with Oreo cookie, I've used that one. Cookies and cream ice cream, I've used that one. Cappuccino, I've used that one. Ugh. So all, all of those are too, all of those are too close and intimate as well. So, well, you know, ebony and ivory, baby. No, sir. Ebony. I am ivory. <laughs> Where is that red button? <laughs> that's All right, it. Balls. That's it. It ends the podcast forever. You'll never hear from this podcast again. Probably, probably not. But uh, you can you can go to what's my other podcast? Uh, oh, just be, God. Beyond the Pips. battle. Beyond the battle podcast. Maybe I'll have you on as a guest speaker. A guest on Beyond the Battle sometime. That'd be no, fun. I don't want to do that. That'd be fun. That's it. See All right, Bob. See you later.